Hello, and welcome back to Mythical Magic, home for Commander Constructed Limited and Useless Magic Information. Hey, my name is David, and this is my buddy. Hey, I'm Jimmy. And we're going to talk to you about what fun we had over pre-released weekend. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Dave. I know you enjoyed pre-released weekend because you spent it with me. Yeah, it was awesome. A full four days of Dave. Yes. <laughs> the the Daviest Dave you've ever did see, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. He was all on. I'll have to say this set definitely caught me a little bit more by surprise. I had a lot of fun doing Sealed. It wasn't nonstop enjoyment, but it just felt really good a lot of the times. I think that's because there weren't so many cards that were like, there were a couple of cards that were like, whoa, that card's way too good. Like, if you pull that card, you are probably winning if you put, if you can land it. But other than that, most of the set is just a lot of back and forth, and it's just good, clean magic. It's just a lot of, like, are you making the correct plays at the correct time? And it feels it feels a lot better than when you play with a set that's full of just, like, Okos and stuff. Like, it's like, boom, I've won. Yeah, and this is speaking from someone who played Oko in Limited when uh, Eldraine was out, and it did feel like every time I played him, it was like the game was over. Um, I don't think there was a single game where I played him and I didn't win. It was like I played him and I was and I I would go, oh cool, I'm gonna make two food. I'm gonna make a food token plus two, or hey, that relevant creature is no longer relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So that just brings me back to what I really wanted to talk about this week because I know the set has a lot of what some people might consider underpowered cards, um, and I know that you just consider them to be underrated mostly, and I know that you love to break underrated cards. Uh, by showing people what they can actually do. So I was hoping that this week we could talk about some of the cards from the set that you think are underrated that people should be really keeping an eye on more than they are. Um, And I mean, I'll start it off this week, if you don't mind, and I'll start with some constructed stuff. So for constructed play, if you don't know about Dream Trawler, it's just because you haven't played with it or against (laughs) it yet, because that card is busted. Is a 3-5. So this card is... Two mana, and then two white, two blue. So it costs six total. And it is a three, five for, for six that has, when you draw a card, this card gets plus one, plus oh. I know what you're saying. That's not that great. Mm. But it also draws a card every time it attacks. So it's attacking at least every turn for a, as a five, five. Uh, and then you can also discard a card and give this card hexproof. So you can give this creature hexproof whenever you want, as many times as you want, as long as you have cards in your hand. And oh, guess what? You're drawing two cards every turn now because you're attacking with this thing. And if that weren't enough, this thing has lifelink. It is fucking lifelink. Do you know how fast it runs away with a game when you're just gaining five to six life a turn? It's fucking bananas. <laughs> it's like, this card's really fucking good. And, I've, and I can only say that from the side of the table where I kept losing to it. I've never actually gotten to play with it myself, but every time my opponent played it, I was like, oh, God damn it. <sighs> okay, I guess the game is over. <laughs> yeah, from a, from a vacuum perspective, it definitely is a pretty big bomb for the limited environment. You, you play it, and as long as you have your card in hand, your opponent needs two spot removals. And then obviously, like in draft and sealed and such like that, there's not a lot of widespread removal. There's not like a Wrath of God effect or anything like that. Especially not that kills creatures with five toughness. Oh, like, yeah. There's the, oh, the there's the white one that's a rare that might get you there, and then there's the red one that doesn't even kill it because it only deals four damage to each creature. Right. And then on top of that, it's just always going to swing for five because you're going to draw a card for your turn, and then you're going to draw a card when it attacks. 
So it's swinging for five and it's gaining you five. So it's just, yeah, it's a real beast of a card. I'll, I'll be honest. I played against it. Wasn't, wasn't feeling it. I had two removal spells in my hand and I still couldn't kill it because my opponent had three cards. <laughs> yeah, it is a uh, it is a good card, I think, for limited. Yeah, my other card that I think could be really good and constructed that is a little bit underrated right now mm-hmm. is just all of the omens. Like in sealed, they are bombs. They are one hundred percent playable all the time. Play as many of them as you can in your sealed or draft pools. They will win you the game eventually. <laughs> like the white one, if you can just keep blinking it. It makes two one ones every time it enters the field. If you can find a way to blink that thing or put it back in your hand and then replay it, your opponent's gonna just get outswarmed by one one ones. Like it happens. Like I played in a draft on Friday, and I don't know how, but one guy ended up mono red, uh, and so it's because he had five Omen of the Forge. So yeah, that card. Oh my god, <laughs> he his deck was insane. He obviously won the whole draft, but that goes without saying when you're playing mono red in a devotion based draft set. Mm. But yeah, that. That was good. I was able to play three different colored omens in a deck. Well, that one wasn't with you. I played an Esper deck, and I was able to run the white, the blue, and the black one. And I was not disappointed. Uh, I mean, the black one is one mana. You get a creature back from your graveyard to your hand, and it's instant speed. It's flash. So you didn't even care about doing it on your opponent's turn. You just did it at the end of their, their end step. You get the creature back. And then you cast it like normal on your turn. The blue one scries you two and then draws a card. I mean, for two mana, that's pretty, pretty on par with most cards of that of that yeah, mana. Yeah, that's a serum vision. Oh yeah, and then it has the added benefit of two and the appropriate color, and you scry two by sacrificing them. So yeah, no, nah, I I am gonna have to go with you on that one because they all seem just like great cards. If you gotta, if you're short on your split between twenty three and seventeen for for drafting or sealed. You just run an omen, and they're almost always going to be good. The green one thins your deck by getting a landed from their battle onto your battlefield tap from your deck. The red one shocks. The black one gets a creature back, which I hear you know I hear people say that that's arguably the weakest one because the value for it isn't immediate. It's based off how the toughness of your deck, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and then the blue one is obviously it's scry and draw, which is always good. And then the white one gets you two humans, one one humans, and you gain two life. Oh my god, it gains you two life. I always forget <laughs> that it gains you two life. That one's really yeah, good. The white one and the green one uh, being the highest costed ones at three. And then the red one being two, the blue one being two, and the black one being one. It feels about right. I mean, the white the white one's putting two power on the board and gaining you two life for three mana. That seems appropriate. And then the green one, well, the green one's getting you a basic land, but it's getting you at instant speed. And it comes in tap, so that's technically right. Yeah. So, I mean, it being three is fine. No, I think you're right. I think the omens were a knockout cool cycle that they did. I think it pays mm-hmm. good tribute to the to the gods of the set. But, yeah, they feel really good. They feel like almost auto Yeah, auto-rose. and I think you could totally make a deck based around them that involves uh, a Lokark known as Dance of the Mance. <laughs> so it's X, white, and a blue. And you return up to X uh, enchantments with converted mana cost X or less. And if you return more than, what is it, six, I think? Uh, then they all come back as 4-4 four, four creatures in addition to being enchantments. So you get all their Enter the Battlefield abilities again, and then they also are just a win condition, essentially. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds yeah, seems it good. Seems, it seems great. 
I don't know if you need to go all five colors, but I would definitely try it out. <laughs> I think it'd be a really cool budget deck for some newer players that might have done pre-release to build and kind of just go to your local game store, play a couple games, probably just have yeah. fun. I mean, or just play at your kitchen table at your friends. I think it's. I think that's something that. I think that's something we've lost along the way of the that fun of just building something that's obviously not tuned to be the best deck, but is still a fun deck to play. But. Yeah. Speaking of enchantments, and speaking of cards that synergize with enchantments, uh, my underrated card, maybe not as underrated as it should be, is Thirst for Meaning. Uh, Thirst for Meaning is an instant. It's blue, two colors and a blue. And it's draw three cards, then discard two cards, unless you discard an enchantment card. Um, this is obviously, if you didn't already know, a, a kind of clone of Thirst for Knowledge. Uh, same exact uh, mana cost, instant, but... Thirst for Knowledge is discard an artifact instead of an enchantment. I love Thirst for Knowledge already. This card just seems really super fair to me. You pay three mana, you draw three cards. And then you discard two cards, or you discard an enchantment. And obviously in a set with enchantments, that's the way you want to be. That's the kind of give and take you want to do. I think if it didn't have, obviously, the discard enchantment part, wouldn't be that good, obviously. Because draw three, discard two feels kind of bad. But at instant speed, in a set full of nothing but enchantments, in a standard environment... And even, you know, Modern and Pioneer, where there's so many decks that can use enchantments, it feels like a really good card to be casting at the end of your opponent's turn if you have the mana. Man, I wish this card cost one red mana. <laughs> no, that... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. No, not happening. I, I mean, even if it costs one blue mana, I would totally... That would be crazy. Go into blue for dredge. Uh, Absolutely not. Too strong. Too strong. I think it's, oh, a, I think it's a really good flavor win in the theme of like the cycles of the three CMC cards that draw you three cards and then discard two cards or discard an X type of card. Um, I hope they do an instant version of all of them. We have a sorcery version for the land, Compulsive Research. It's draw two, uh, draw three, discard two, or you discard a land. And we have a four mana version for creatures where it's draw three, discard two, or discard a creature. But those last two cards are both sorceries, unfortunately. So I'm hoping down the line we get an instant version of every single one. And I think, honestly, we're at the point in Magic where that's not... It's not that unheard of. No, I don't think so. I think it's pretty fair. And I know how much you love your cycles. I do. I'm a big, 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 big fan of cycles. I think every set... Did you ever finish that cycling cube? I did, and it was... I'm sorry. Well... Not a cycling cube, (laughs) a cycles cube. Sorry, we're working on both. (laughs) Yeah, I finished it, and we drafted... I've drafted a handful of times with it. And it's um it's a lot of fun because like it runs like all the ultimatums, and I want to draft. It's that. right. It's so much fun to just windmill two different ultimatums in your deck because the deck the the cube <laughs> is built where you can be three colors pretty easily. We put enough uh, color fixing so you can do you can go three colors, and I love it. Um, stuff like that I think is fun. Magic is such an expansive game at this point that you can kind of do. You can do goofy stuff like that with cubes. It's a different experience than like playing like a power cube or like a popper cube or anything like that. You want to know my second underrated card? Oh, please do tell me. <laughs> what is your second card, dude? <laughs> my second underrated card uh, is a rare this time, and it's in green. Uh, my favorite color. Astra of the Endless Web. Arasta. No, it's Astra. Arasta of, it's Arasta Arasta, of the Endless Web. Yeah, but Arasta Web. sounds like, like Rastafarian, and I don't like that. She's in a Rastafarian. It's uh, fine. Spider is a Rastafarian. Yeah, uh, I don't. Th- We're gonna get. An, I'm gonna get an altar of her where she's wearing a little Rasta hat, mm. which could be awesome. I, I would play with that. Two colorless. Who wouldn't? Two green. Legendary enchantment creature spider. 
had reach, and whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-2 green spider creature token with reach. And then she statted to be a 3-5. Um, if you don't already know, I love me some spiders and magic. I think the spider tribe has gotten shafted. We have, like, dragon lair spider, and we have Ishkana. But it's it's hard for us to get those big bomb spiders, in all honesty. And this is a... I don't like spiders. Oh. In, in magic or personal oh, life. Per, personal I life, I'm a little... I fucking yeah. hate spiders. Personal life, I'm a little out on them. But in magic, like, Ishkana, I love Ishkana, that card. I think that's a great card. It's one of the few... If not, I, actually, it's the only. It was the only legendary spider we had for a while. So now we have a mono green one, and I'll be honest. I'm talking more con- for constructed play. I honestly think this card, in the time that it's in standard, could definitely see some play. Um, it's a little weak and susceptible to spot removal. I get that, but with the ability that whenever your opponent is basically trying to get their advantage, your response is that well, I get a one green uh, creature, feels really really good. Yeah, you think yeah, so? Yeah, resolving it against a control deck is going to be hard, obviously, with four mana. You know, I don't know. I'd be willing to bet that this card is not going to make it to any like tournament-winning deck list. So this is a reactive card. Uh, this is one of those cards that becomes good when a control deck rises up. So if we get a control deck that um, isn't heavy on counterspells, it's heavy on control, you know, this could be a really good response to it. It's a, it cantrips itself. You play the card... It's a relevant cre- attacker. It's a relevant blocker. It has reach. But your opponent loses when they try to draw a bunch of cards or they try to spot remove it. Because they trade one card in their hand for one card in your field, but you get a 1-2 one, one, back. Um, I think it might find its way into sideboards right now. I think that's where it's going to start. But I definitely could see this card making a couple waves if control pops up more than it already has. Yeah, I guess we'll only time will tell. I, I like it. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. I think it's a good. I think it's a flavor win for the for the set, and it's a spider, and it's got a big butt. And if anyone doesn't know, I love magic cards with big butts. So I didn't get to play the Endless Web during any of my uh, pre-release games, which was super sad because I did have it in one of the the flights that we did. I uh, I also opened it as a pre-release promo, and I, I didn't play it either. Yeah, I think it doesn't. I, I think unfortunately, in limited, it doesn't really make the cut just because of the number of instant sorceries that aren't really being played. There are just so many other like. Well, one, it's an enchantment, which in this set, there's a lot of enchantment removal, but also there's a lot of uh, other big uh, green and black creatures that are just have a lot of toughness, a lot of power to them, uh, so she doesn't actually stay on the field that long. No, you're right. It doesn't make the card any less good. No, it's definitely cool. I'm just not sure about it in this like limited form. Well, you'll just be wrong, so don't worry about it. That's how <laughs> that works. We'll see, uh, Dave. Well, now, we didn't talk about this card, but if you haven't got a chance to uh do you know if that's his oracle uh, jimmy uh we're about to talk about that <laughs> card because that card w- is i've always thought that card's amazing but it proved itself this weekend uh we played uh two at a giant mm. and we were lucky enough to open thassa's oracle and we were really lucky enough to open up some of the mill cards uh specifically sweet oblivion that card was a game winner Combos really well with Thassa's Oracle. If you don't know what it does, it's two blue, uh, a sorcery. Uh, target player puts the top four cards from their library into their graveyard, and then it has a, the escape mechanic for four mana, three and a blue. You can exile four of the cards from your graveyard uh, and to cast it again. If you have Thassa's Oracle in your deck, and you draw it, and you have this card in your hand, every turn you just put the top four cards of your graveyard into your library that pays for the escape meca- the escape cost, and you just do it every turn until you deck yourself, basically. And then that turn, you play Thassa's Oracle. 
Uh, I don't if you don't know what Sauce's Oracle does. Oh my god, it does so much. It has so much text on <laughs> you it. You can summarize. That. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. It says, uh, for two blue mana, it's a creature, Merfolk Wizard, uh, and it's a 1-3. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, you look at the top X cards of your library where X is your blue devotion. Uh, put up to one of them uh, on top of your library and the rest onto the bottom of your library in a random order. If X, the, card that, the number of the cards that you scribed, is greater than or equal to the number of cards that are in your library, you win the game. So Dave and I, as a team, playing two at a giant, I was just the big red-green ground-pound deck to kind of gum up the field, and then he just spent the, basically the whole game uh, just milling his own deck, and people are like, what are you doing? None of our opponents had any idea what we were doing until the very last second when we played this card, and they're like, oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> mind blown like it was great it felt so good to win like this especially because the games in two at a giant are so grindy we went to time basically every round yeah it's hard to avoid going to time unfortunately so every game ended with like each with uh, both of us at like 15 to 20 life some i think one game ended. so one of our opponents spoiler had dream trawler and they ended the game at like 47 life (laughs) but you know it doesn't who doesn't care about your life total (laughs) Thassa's Oracle. Mm. Good game, boys. Good game. <laughs> oh, it was it was. It was so much fun to play that card. Um we forego a bunch of other like not like staple blue and black cards for my deck. We just loaded it up with draw, milling, and creature removal. And we just we were just like, okay, and we're just gonna keep playing this and hopefully we make it. And we just kept making it. Four and oh in two at a giant, which was I did. I suspected we were gonna get like two two wins on somebody somehow. I did not think it was gonna be that that staggering of like a defeat for everybody. I went in, I went into that pre-release already trying to build a pioneer deck around Thassa's Oracle mm. uh, with hidden strings and uh, chronic flooding. So I knew how powerful this card was, and I was so psyched to show Dave just how powerful this card was. It is way more busted than you would think. Yeah. It's just it's in sealed especially. It's basically uncounterable because you're just like, if you can run them out of enough counter spells, uh, and then you get the mill spell into your graveyard, then they can't. Even if they counter it, you're still. It just goes back to your graveyard. You just do it again in two turns. <laughs> you just gotta get enough stuff into your graveyard to pay for the escape cost. And you just do it as many times as you want. Escape doesn't feel that powerful, but it might be more broken than I think it is. I think it's another case very similar to to any of the well, any of the graveyard mechanics like like scavenge dredge retrace and stuff like that where the ability is 100% good it's fair it's fun to a degree but the moment you make cards that are too aggressively aggressive on their escape or what you're paying for when you're paying less than the effect that you're getting that's when it gets dangerous so you definitely won me over on Thassa's Oracle I definitely think that card is amazing sweet uh, big props to Sweet Oblivion um, the mill card that Jimmy just spoke of that card, we only had one copy of it. One copy is all you need. I swear. I mean, if we would have had two, it would have been scary. Shout out to... Um, the Black Omen. Yeah, we ran two Black Omens. And because of that... Just in case that, you mill the Thassa's yeah. Oracle. So if the Thassa's Oracle got countered, or if we milled it away, we, we held up a Black Omen and flashed it in and got the Oracle back. And it was... I mean, the combo was just too efficient. I can't wait we, to do it in draft. I know. Just waiting and for then, the day that I opened Thassa's Oracle. Oh. 
the, I think my only sad point for that whole entire day, because I loved every game we played, and like almost every one of our opponents was super cool and super sweet about like everything we were doing, is we did a we were able to fit in the deck an Underworld Dreams and a Grey Merchant, a Gary. And at one point, we were set up to play the Gary with the Underworld Dreams on the field and a couple other creatures that had black on their cost on my side. And obviously, into it, a giant uh, gray merchant has each opponent lose life equal to your devotion. So the team across from us would have lost double, basically, whatever my black devotion was. Well, we were about to play him, and he was going to deal like eight or nine. So it would have been 18 to the team across from us, and we were so close to windmilling it and getting the win. And then they stopped it. But yeah, he played like Heliod's intervention or something like that, and just destroyed all of our enchantments. I ever he he destroyed uh, yeah all my enchantments and one of and something of yours. And I was like, well, guess we're going back to the Thassa's Oracle plan. And then we did it. Yeah, windmill it, slam every time. Oh yeah, the the only way to beat the deck is to truly counter. You have to straight up just counter Thassa's Oracle. You can't because if you put the ability on the stack and you you kill it, if my deck has zero, it doesn't matter if my devotion is zero. We still get the win. So, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Meyer Tri- uh, Triton, Zombie Mofolk, that enters and you mill two and then you gain two life. And it has Death Touch and it's a 2 1. Not that it needed to be a 2 1, but whatever. Like, I just didn't. I, that card was dumb. <laughs> Turn to going this and then going, cool, I'm going to mill two card. Oh, one of them was Sweet Oblivion. Sweet. Oh, by the way, I gain two life. And if you attack me with any relevant creature on the ground, it dies. Yeah. Have fun wasting have fun wasting that kill spell on my cruddy two one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our, your deck felt unbeatable at the pre release. It really you know, and not like that had not that had nothing that was not just me, you helped too. But that did feel very much the theme. It, it, it seemed like I just had so much removal and since I didn't care about attacking the creatures I played when they died and my or my opponents killed them, I was like, eh, it's fine. Cool. Whatever. So it's more fuel for the fire. Yeah, right. Thank you for making me feel relevant, and you're not. <laughs> Though we did we did have a single win where we had to mill our opponent out, one of our opponents out instead, because <laughs> we were at a point where we just couldn't get my deck thin enough, and they had done some deck searching, so we ended up using Sweet Oblivion on them like two, three times, and we were able to just get it. And it was kind of a bittersweet moment because uh, both teams were doing the math like on how to, how, what was going on. And it came to the point where you could see the other team. They realized, like, there's nothing we can do. The next, like, two one turns is just, that's it. There's Yeah, because we ran to time that game. We were in turns when we won. Yeah, and I mean, they just they just knew. And, it, and they, again, cool cool dudes all around. But it, it, that, that, that is a feel-bad moment when you see your, your imminent demise from across the table. And you know that in two turns there's nothing you can do. So I'm a little bit worried about Thassa's Oracle in Constructed because you play more than one game. I think that was one of its big draws during the pre-release was that when you play two at a giant, there's only one game. So you're, you don't have to worry about your opponent being like, oh, well, I'm going to sideboard in all my counters and I'm going to side in a bunch of graveyard hate and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you get one chance. I hope they don't have graveyard hate removal in their deck already because why would they? I mean, it is a slightly graveyard-centric set, but... It's not heavy enough that you need to run a bunch of it. So yeah, um, it's going to be way more fragile and constructed. Um, I think a hundred percent someone should still try to do it. I think it'll be fun. I'm, well, I've already seen a mono blue devotion decks that are playing Thassa's Oracle and they're playing Thassa and they're playing Nyx Lotus, and they just they I don't know how, but they get up to like fourteen devotion and then they're like, cool, I'll use my Thassa, I'll untap my Nyx Lotus, 
I'll play the blue finale. And they're just like, I just draw 14 cards. Boom. I drew <laughs> half my deck. I uh, play Thassa's Oracle. What is my devotion? 30? Oh, you're dead. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Your deck is sweet. I watched the whole thing. I let the person play out their combo. I was like, this is this is what I want to see. I don't want to sit across from overpowered planeswalkers or dumb creatures. I want to watch you build a puzzle. And <laughs> it was awesome. Definitely a cool deck. I'll, I'll link it below if I can. Jimmy, have you ever looked at the back of a magic card? The back of a magic card? Yes. Yeah, occasionally before I put them in sleeves. Right, right, right. It's right, not right, a right. monster. Yeah, what color is the back of a magic card? Oh, man, I'm colorblind, man. That's a <laughs> loaded question. Uh, are you talking about the little the little bubbles, or are you talking about the back of it, the back just, of it? Just like the back the of background? it. Yeah, just the background. Yeah, I'm gonna guess brown. It is. It's brown. It's brown. And then, oh, nailed it first try. Yeah, no scope that shit. <laughs> it's brown, and then the, the middle there's a there's an oval that's slightly less brown, and then the magic <laughs> and then the magic words are in a blue, and then it has all five of the colors in a kind of like in a penta, pentagram type of thing. Yeah, but where does it say Yu-Gi-Oh on it? It doesn't. It does say deck. Oh, it do- thank God. It does say Deckmaster at the bottom though. Yeah, why does it say Deckmaster well, at the bottom? Well, that's funny that you bring that up. Because I know the answer to that question. Yeah, that's why I asked. I figured you, Dave, the lore mage of all lore mages, would know the answer to this question. Well, so you got to understand, back in like the, the early 90s when magic was being made, wizards had like the really, really cool idea that there would have been more than one TCG that they made that would be under the, the banner of Deckmaster. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a branding thing. And they were going to use it on a bunch of TC, different TCGs. I just imagine shuffling like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and Cardfight Vanguard and all those decks like together under what? one uh, under one deck and just shuffling no. it all together and be like, yeah, let's do this, boys. No, and no, 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 no. It no, being no. a nightmare. It, it, they weren't going to be combinable. They would just been under the same. <sighs> they would have been like under the brand, like kind of almost like a sub brand for Wizards. Um, now, however, Vampire, the last, the the Eternal Struggle, and Netrunner both have. Deckmaster on their card backs, the whole like branding thing fell through, and they just they're like, okay, this isn't happening. This isn't, and they just they wipe they kind of swept it under the rug and said, we're done. However, to this day, even though the Deckmaster branding is gone, you'll still notice that every Magic card is printed with the Deckmaster on the back of it. Well, yeah, they can't have different ones, otherwise you might be able to figure out which cards are which. Exactly, they've decided to keep the back of the cards exactly the same. Speaking of keeping the back of the cards exactly the same, do you know what the first official Magic expansion is? Not set, the expansion. Expansion? Yeah. Oh, man. I have absolutely no idea. I know. That's why I'm asking, because I knew you didn't know the answer. Uh, It's Arabian Nights. Is it really? 100%. It's the first expansion. Um, Everything else is technically considered a core set beforehand. Um, oh really? Well, alpha. Ba- so alpha. Alpha is a core set. Well, I guess alpha is a core set. That makes sense. But like re- revised is like a is like a core set. Yep. Weird. Yeah. Right. It's really awkward. Um. Hmm. So, so let's talk about Arabian Nights real quick. So one Arabian Nights, the set has a story, but it's not a magic story. It's the literal stories of one hundred and one stories from Arabian Nights. It's what it's based on. Which I believe is copyrighted, it isn't it? It is, and it's funny that you bring that up <laughs> because people have asked about, hey, I want to go back to Ravnica. I want to go back to Zendikar. I want to go back to Lorwyn. You know, some filthy filthy men want to like, go back to Kamigawa. 
Um, yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, well. I never played it the first time. I really want to see what it's all about. It was okay. It was very boring. Anyway, so... I want to discard all the lands in my hands so that way I can do uh, cool things. What? Is that what it is? Is that... What is what? the mechanic called where you, like... Oh, no. Is it where you bounce all the lands from your field back into your hand? What? Oh. Do you have you, no idea what I'm talking, talking about? about? Are you talking about the moon folk and their ability? No, I don't. I that's don't what, think so. That's exactly what you're talking. about. You're talking about the. Moon what is phone. the mechanic called? It's not called anything. It's called bad because it's not. No, good. there's definitely a mechanic. To bounce your lands, not from Kamigawa. Well, now I have to look it up. Oh, sweep. It's called sweep. That's not. First of all, no one acknowledges. <laughs> no one acknowledges sweep. Just because you don't acknowledge it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. No Dave. one. No one acknowledges it. I can assure you. For sweep, you return some number of basic uh-huh. lands to your uh-huh. hand to get uh-huh. an effect. Uh-huh. That card sounds bad. Those cards sounds are terrible. yeah, they're awful. <laughs> so, but I feel like there's a way real. you can make it really good. Uh, like, what if you sweep all your lands back to your hand and uh-huh. then you go in for one big conflict rate? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. you just shoot them for like what, like seven, six, six damage. They're at thirteen, fourteen, and then you're like, boom, got you down to fourteen on turn two, boom. Um, I have nothing less to do for the rest of the game because I discarded my whole hand. Oh, no. Okay. Anyway. Perfect magic. So magic it, as Richard Garfield intended, Dave. So, anyway, not to get back on track, uh, but the plane of Arabian Nights exists. However, as you just said, it's copyrighted. It has a license. So, we're never going back to Arabian Nights. Like, Thank just, God. <laughs> no. We can get a new genie car that looks like Will We Smith. already had a desert set. It's called Amon Yeah, but we, it was but we can get... Meh. Yeah, but like I said, we can get a genie car that looks like Will Smith now. Oh, God. Please, no. <laughs> and they can make an instant uh, and sorcery car that has um, the split mechanic on it. And it can be called Getting Jiggy. And then the other side could be With It. Um, I'm still waiting for the X... <laughs> Slash slash gonna give it to you. <laughs> oh my goodness, I wish. <laughs> so we're never going back to the plane. But the other thing we're never going to go back to is that the original Arabian Nights back of the card was going to be different. It was going to be the magic was going to be written in yellow and it was going to have Magic the Gathering. And then underneath that, it would have said Arabian Nights. The stylization of the card would have been exactly the same, but the darker brown would have been like a pinkish. And then the lighter brown would have been like a lighter color of that. And Weird. they were going to go every set forward and make magic like that. So like the next set, whatever, like Fallen Empires of the Dark or whatever like that, or Legends, it would have had a different card back. Um, huh. That was the original plan. However... I know they're trying to change the card back, or not, they're not trying to change, but they are, have suggested a new card back as of recently. Uh, and if you play Magic Online, I think it's on Magic Arena too, actually. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, you can go in about. and change the back of your cards to be... Uh, it's all black with like a gray yeah. oval in the middle, and then it says magic in really cool black lettering. Yeah. Uh, but I can't imagine they'll ever change the printed cards. They won't. They won't. It's just too much of a pain in the ass, and people would riot. They would. I'm already rioting, and I'm not. It's not even real. <laughs> so. Just because it's on Magic Online? Yeah. No, it's okay. But since we're already talking about Arabian Nights, <laughs> I like Arabian Nights. If you didn't already know, my, one of my favorite. Ma- yep. One of my favorite magic cards is from Arabian Nights. Do you want to, Which card? You'll never guess. Well, if you looked at the set and you knew it, you'd be like, oh, obviously. Uh, but I'm just going to spoil you. Is there a card that says value on it somewhere? Yes. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I nailed it. Awesome. No scope. That I've never seen any cards from Arabian No, 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 no. So Not that I remember it's it, a, at least. It's, so it's a card that does something that no other card in Magic does except for one card from one of the unsets. So no legal Magic card does what this does. 
rolling dice? No. It's I'm just gonna tell you what it is. It's Shaharazard. Oh, gross. Double white, start a sub game of magic. There is no value there, Dave. Oh, you get, get to play more you play more magic. That's all I, the value. De- oh, God, I guess technically. <laughs> what do you mean you guess? <sighs> It is 100%. I don't know. If, if I, what is, I ha, can you read me the text on Shaharazard? Because I actually don't know what that card does. If you, listen, I'll, I'm going to tell you, but listen, what, if you came to a tournament to play Magic and you're like, okay, cool, I want to play games of Magic. Obviously, if you can play one round and get like five games in, that's what you're going to want to do, right? No, I want to beat my opponent as fast as possible in the most humiliating way possible. What way is more humiliating? That's why I play Dredge and Storm. Yeah, but besides the fact that you're a low life, um, <laughs> <laughs> what better way than to play a sub game of Magic, beat them oh, in that Hollow One, beat play Hollow One, beat them in the sub game, and then go back to the real game and beat them all over again? It's double the pleasure, double the fun. Okay, but what happens when they lose the sub game? Because it doesn't actually count towards the match points, right? No. So Shaharazard is two white. It's a sorcery. Uh, players play a magic sub game using their libraries as their decks. Each player who doesn't win the sub game loses half their life rounded up. You know what? I might just concede. <laughs> you would. So, spoiler alert. I played this in Vintage in 2005. I played Vintage in. Um, I lived in Pennsylvania, and or oh, some people know it, Type 1. Um, and I played a deck that was Boros-colored Shaharazard. I played, Shah- I played Shaharazard. I played the card from Odyssey called Recoup that gave cards in my graveyard uh, flashback. I played an Arcus that brought a sorcery card from your graveyard back to your hand. And I played Shaharazard as many times as possible. <laughs> You call me a <laughs> the most number of sub games I've ever gotten into Magic has been four, and I am proud of that number. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You uh, shouldn't. <laughs> oh, it's such a good card. <laughs> what happened to the cards that get let you play with? Like, do they get shuffled back into your deck? Uh, no. So when you start a sub game, you leave the cards that are already in play, and then you take your deck, the library, and you, you make yes, that yes, your yes, new yes, one. Yes. But what about the cards that you play during that subgame? When you when the subgame is over, do they get shuffled back into your regular? Oh deck? yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and back and back then, um, the rules for the wish cards were a little different. So you could use the wishes to wish for cards in your original game. So, I, oh really? I would wish for the Shaharazard for my first game, and then just do it again, <laughs> and then do it again. Wow, that's fucking gross. And then, and then, it, and then, when the game ended, it would get shuffled back in. Ah, uh, you're the worst human being I've ever met. I don't think we can do this podcast anymore. This might be the end of magic, mythical magic, folks. Oh gosh, the game is so good. It's banned, so it doesn't matter. It's been in every format that it could ever be played in now. So it's, thank God. Someone at Wizards was like, "This isn't okay. This has to go." But you know what? It's not banned. Well, technically. Wait, I'm not done yet. There's the more. The countdown is at one, Dave. No. And we could play it because it's in my unstable queue. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Wow. <laughs> it's not. But wait. So there's more stuff about Arabian Nights. Drawing, drawing a weird line in the sand here. I'm this. The Arabian sand. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So Arabian Nights is also home to some other unique magic cards. Oh, yeah? What caught you? <laughs> I was catching my breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Being weird. No, 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 no. But first, I have to ask you a question. 
If I was to ask you which basic land had the most printings, uh, I would guess islands. You'd be wrong. <laughs> what? It's mountain. So hear me Why? out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So when they were doing uh, Arabian Nights, we talked about how they were going to have each expansion uh, have a different card back. So the idea behind that was that each expansion was completely self-contained and playable. So that means all the cards in it, and then there were basic lands in it. So you didn't need any other expansion to play. You could just play with just one one set of magic. Uh, but you could combine them if you wanted to, but it didn't matter. You They were always self-contained. Well, when the idea got scrapped to do that, they decided to take the basic lands off of the cutting sheets for Arabian Nights. However, for whatever reason, the mountain did not get pulled from the sheet, and it was left on there. Hmm. Yeah. So the mountain was printed as a common in Arabian Nights. So there's hmm. an Arabian Nights mountain, but there's no Arabian Nights island, swamp, forest, or plains. Really? They just don't exist? No. There's only a mountain, baby. Oh, man. That's so cool. It's amazing, isn't it? Hey, Jimmy, let me ask you one more question. Uh, yeah, what's up, bud? <laughs> what, um, what was this, what's the second most printed basic? Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, Swamps. No, that's a stupid and guess. Swamps. No. It's not the Swamps? It's not. That's a oh, stupid no. guess. <laughs> Why would it be wow. Swamps? Wow. <laughs> no, it's Island. So Island, um, during the alpha... During the, the set alpha, um, wizards back then, in their infinite genius, they wanted to keep people guessing from rarities. That's one of the reasons that Alpha, Beta, Revival Unlimited don't have um, set symbols on them. So there's no way to tell what a rare a rare is technically. So well, I mean, didn't didn't they just not have them colored for a while? No, there's no set symbol. I thought it was just because it was their first run. Well, I mean, among other things, so they wanted people to guess about their rarity. So on the rare sheets. Where the rares were all printed, because if you guys don't know, whenever they make a set, there's sheets of common, there's sheets of rares, and obviously now sheets of mythics. So on the rare sheet, smack dab in the middle of it, next to balance, and diagonal from Tropical Island, in case you were curious about that, um, there is an island. <laughs> so an on island of rare sheet? Yeah, so the island was on the rare sheet so that people would falsely assume some of the other cards it didn't work by the way players aren't that stupid even back then and they just basically talk to each other and they're like oh cool the island's not real and so that from that point on whenever someone opened an island as they're rare they go ah what the fudge (laughs) i got it that's messed up yeah no it was i mean they learned from their lesson it was in the first set it makes the it makes the island more expensive doesn't it um i believe so yes I don't know the price off the top of my head. I that want. Sucks. I want it. It's like, but a, that still does has, that still doesn't answer the question of why islands are generally more expensive than other basic. Lands. Um, because blue is the mind color, and the islands are mesmerizing you to make them think that they're more expensive. They're not really. I would. I would just assume that's because blue is the most popular color. It's not. Blue is stupid. Blue is dumb. Green is better. Green is a hundred percent better. Blue and green, Simic, the your favorite colors. I don't are dumb. Don't talk to me. Why don't you uh, ascend to a higher plane then, Dave? Play I'm, some Simic ascendancy. Oh God. Hey, so you know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna change the subject. Yeah, I it's okay. I'll delete that. No, don't. I like that. The, um, <laughs> Dave, you're ruining my jokes. I know. Me cutting <laughs> everything is all the jokes. <laughs> don't cut me. So I love magic cards, and one of the things I love the most about magic is that no matter how much you play, no matter how long you've played, you always seem to find something, a card or an archetype or a synergy 
they didn't know before. Like, I've been playing for almost 23 years now. And there's still cars that I come across where I'm like, what is this thing? So, you know, in that in that vein, Jimmy, I've asked you to find an interesting card that kind of surprised you. And we can talk about it. With that in mind, Jimmy, tell me about this card. What's this card? Okay. So, this card, when I went to Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. to play in my first Grand Prix, uh, by the way, which I did not play in because standard was stupid at the time i decided at the last second that i was going to bail and play mystery booster draft with my buddy dave different dave you don't know don't worry about it (laughs) i i went into this thing just like i'm gonna pick the biggest baddest creatures uh because you can play whatever the fuck you want in this set it's gonna be awesome and when i opened this card i was like yeah this is what i'm fucking talking about right here this is i mean i didn't end up playing it because it's you'll see in a second but it's really hard to get on the field but Okay, so this card costs 16 mana. It is an artifact creature dragon. It's called Draco. It's a 9-9 for 16 mana. Draco has domain officially now. Uh, on the version that I have, he does not say domain because he's from Time Spiral, uh, where domain did not exist yet. Uh, Draco costs two less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. He also has flying, and then he also has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to sacrifice him unless you pay 10 mana. But don't worry, because this cost is reduced by 2 for each basic land type among lands you control. So if you have all 5 types on the field, he costs 0 on your upkeep and you don't have to sacrifice him, don't worry about it. And he only costs 6 mana for a flying 9-9. But, yeah, this card is, the art on it is super sweet. If you have the time, go look it up, because the art is awesome. And that's really basically what drew me to this card. I, I opened my pack and I was shuffling through it, and I was like, "Whoa, this art is sweet as hell!" <laughs> and I just like, without even really reading it, I just kind of flipped it face down, and I was like, "Yep, I'm taking this." <laughs> and then I passed the rest of my cards, and then I went through, back through it later, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Yeah, this card is really cool." Wait, what? Does he cost 16 mana? Oh my god! Oh, I just have to play five colors? I'm not going to play five colors. I only drafted blue and green. Oh, no. (laughs) Worth it, though. And I still have him in my binder at home, and he's great. (laughs) I'm so glad you enjoy it. Oh, (laughs) I I have to be honest. I... When I was playing in the beginning, when I started playing and I got to Plane Shift, the set that this card is from, and the first time I saw it, I... I, I pulled out a pack. I'm like, whoa, it's a 9-9. I'm like, whoa, look at all this. It's a dragon. I'm like, oh, it's getting out of the ground. 16 mana. And in my mind, I was like, this card has to be good, right? Like, this is a good card. Like, it costs, yeah. it costs a lot. It has a cool name. It's a dragon, and it's a 9-9 flyer. How is this card bad? Yeah, you then, just play show and tell. And yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you slowly realize that this card is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're playing five colors. Sure. Whatever. It's it's Sure. I 100% agree, though, with you, Jimmy. I think if you've never seen this card, you should take a look at it. I'm not telling you it's a good card. Uh, I'm telling you that it's an interesting card that does something that's really cool. And if you're having fun and you're hanging out and playing with friends, why not make a deck that does something like this? Like, why not play play? Like, if you could, if this could be a commander somehow, and it could be a five-color commander, not a colorless commander... I would 100% play that deck. All the deck would do, yeah. all the deck would be was just to lower the cost of this card and play it. That's it. That wouldn't even be that hard. It would. Not commander now. It'd be super easy. You'd be Shout out to Sam Wood who drew this card. Uh your art is awesome, bud. Mm, yeah. I'll have to see if I can get in contact with him. 
We can get your copy. Yeah, get, we can get your copy. Oh signed. my god, that would be I'm gonna, amazing. I'm gonna try to do that. I'm gonna try to get a hold of a copy. Yeah. Oh my god. And if this card is cheap enough, we will ship you a copy <laughs> if you subscribe to our Patreon. It doesn't mm, exist yet. We will not. <laughs> so <laughs> I will ship you a copy if they are cheap enough. Well, that was great. I think you picked a great card. I have a card for next time, but I'm not going to share it, obviously, until then. Oh, I can't wait. I know. It's going to be so good. You know what else I can't wait for? The next episode of Mythical Magic. Yeah! I can't wait for Yeah! Nailed it! Yeah! You're just knocking it out of the park today. Oh, I'm so good at this. Uh, You should should totally do this for a living. You You should have a podcast. I mean, if people will pay me for it, I will 100% do this for a living. I guess you're not going to do this for a living. Ah, shit. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you guys again for coming and listening to us. Uh, This is Mythical Magic Podcast, where we talk about Commander, Constructed, Limited, and more useless magic information. I was your host, host, David, and this is my buddy, Jimmy. (laughs) And we'll catch you next time.